Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 to 6, and verses 13 to 18. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, We're looking at the book of Proverbs because what Proverbs does is it talks about wisdom. And we need more wisdom in life. We need more wisdom to be good at life. And what we've been saying is that it's not enough just to have access to a lot of information, which we do because of the internet and because of our technology. Nor is it enough to simply know what is right and wrong and be uh, moral people who know all the commandments that we are supposed to keep. But if you want to be able to navigate through the complexities of life, through the complexities of work, through the complexities of relationships and so forth, you need wisdom. Proverbs has a lot to say actually about those specific things, about work, about communication, about leadership and a host of other topics. But before we get there, uh, I did want to spend a couple weeks just thinking about wisdom broadly and to really understand why it's so important and why it's something that we deeply need. And the way I want to go about that today is I want to talk about wisdom from the perspective of folly. We're going to look at folly today. Now, if you notice, one of the literary features uh, in the Proverbs is wisdom and folly are are made into people. They're personified as these two women. And uh, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the book of Proverbs was probably addressed originally to young men who were about to enter into adulthood. And young men tend to be infatuated with women, and so uh, perhaps this is a good pedagogical tool for the father to teach his son about the pursuit of wisdom. And in this passage, there are two women, and these two women offer invitations to this uh, simple person, to this young man, and he has to decide which invitation to accept. Now, again, these women are not meant to be understood as literal women, but they are the personification of wisdom and folly. They represent a life of wisdom. They represent a life of folly. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I cannot relate to uh, this situation and to this dilemma because uh, no women have ever really pursued me, let alone two different women. Um, Perhaps some of you can relate. Uh, I don't know. But I know this happens all the time in in like stories and movies and dramas, this kind of storyline where uh, there's a character who's pursued by, I don't know, maybe two women or two men, whatever it is, and uh, they have to make a choice in terms of uh, which woman they're going to choose or which man they're going to choose, uh, whose invitation they're going to accept. Now, if you've ever been in that situation, then uh, you might be able to relate to the dilemma that uh, this person faces here because the dilemma here is between choosing a life with this woman, with Lady Wisdom, and choosing a life with Lady Folly. And the question of the book of Proverbs to you and me is this. Whose invitation are you going to receive and accept? Are you going to dine with wisdom, or are you going to dine with 
folly. Uh, I just talked about this with somebody this week, but there is this musical that my wife and I saw a couple years ago called If Then. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw it or have ever heard of it, but uh, it's a very New York story, and the lead uh, actress in that was Adina Menzel, and uh, she basically plays this divorced, recently divorced urban planner, and she moves to New York, and she is faced with a decision. So she has these two friends, One friend encourages her to seek out new experiences. You're in New York. You're recently divorced. You're free. Uh, Seek out new experiences. The other friend encourages her to make these professional connections and to build up her career as an urban planner. And you kind of see this contrast between the two approaches, the two decisions that this character can make. You can be the uh, go the wild and free and experience uh, the excitement of life approach. Or you can take the responsible and ambitious and career-focused approach. And what was very creative about this musical is actually the way it told the story. So <clears throat> it, <clears throat> it attempted to tell the story about if she were to choose this path, this is what her life would look like. If she were to choose this path, this is what her life would look like. But it did it in like alternating fashion. So it kind of told both stories uh, at the same time. Very creative way to uh, tell the story. And I think something that a lot of New Yorkers can actually relate to because uh, people in New York are oftentimes faced with these big decisions and they want to choose a certain path in terms of their life, in terms of their career, in terms of their relationship, in terms of their family. Uh, I bring that up because I'm going to kind of try to do that in this sermon, Uh, kind of an (laughs) if-then approach. If you accept wisdom's invitation, what's going to happen? If you accept folly's invitation, then what is going to happen? And uh, hopefully I can kind of pull this off. Now, we have to be introduced to the main character here, and uh, we have to ask ourselves, who is this invitation for? And verse 4 and verse 16 tell us, it says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. The invitation is for the simple person. Now, this actually isn't the first time uh, the simple character is introduced, but a couple weeks ago, even in the very first passage in Proverbs chapter 1, it tells us who Proverbs is for, and one of the verses says that Proverbs is written to give prudence to the simple. Now, who is a simple person? What is that referring to exactly? Well, the simple person is a person who is capable of being misled. The simple person is somewhat immature in the sense that they are naive, that they are impressionable, they are somewhat gullible, and therefore, the simple person can easily walk the path of folly as they can the path of wisdom. I know this. uh, People in New York like to think, right, we like to think we're sophisticated and we don't want to... Uh, We would consider it an insult if somebody called us simple. But I want you to think about a time where you were young. Maybe you were fresh out of high school. Maybe you were fresh out of college. Maybe you were uh, in the city for the first time, and you didn't really know how to navigate New York City. Maybe you were without parental oversight for the first time. In that age, you were probably very naive about many things. You know, I know I was like that. And the reason I know I was like that is because I have been scammed many times in my young life. Uh, One time I was in a train station. This woman comes up to me. She gives me this story about how she needs a ticket to get home, but she lost her wallet and she has no money. She has nobody to call. This was before, um, you know, smartphones were ubiquitous. And she's like, can you please just help me? I just need some money to buy a ticket uh, to get home. And she had these tears in her eyes and she said, can you help me? And I felt bad, and I said, yeah, I have, some, I have some money. Here you go. Go buy a train ticket. Now, how do I know I got scammed? Because I was walking, and I looked through the window of a Wendy's, 
And there she was with like a group of friends, like having a good jolly old time, probably spending the money I just gave her, buying a uh, 99-cent chicken nuggets. Who knows? And uh, I, I remember seeing that, and I said, oh, boy, I am such a fool. Right? I'm so dumb. I'm so naive. I can't believe I fell for that. That wasn't the last time I got scammed. I got scammed many more times after that. You know, one time someone came up to me, gave, uh, you know, another story and said, you know, I need, I need some money. And I said, okay, sure, here's some money. You know what happened? A week later, this person came up to me again and gave the same exact story. And uh, my response was, you don't remember me, right? <laughs> I gave you money a week ago with the same story. And then that person booked it, right? <clears throat> you know, as I get older, uh, you know, I think I have greater discernment because, uh, you know, someone once tried to get me in and sell me in on this, like, pyramid scheme. And it sounded, it was like one of those things that sounded too good to be true. And, you know, I was like, I'm not interested. I, I want no part of that. <laughs> you know, without wisdom, those who are simple, you can be enticed to walk on a certain path and oftentimes a crooked path, which eventually leads to destruction and death. The main character here is that person. It's a simple person. And this simple person... By the way, it's not necessarily simple because there's a character flaw. Uh, It's good to be generous. It's good to be giving. But this simple person is simple because they do not yet have wisdom. And they are receiving these two invitations from these two different women. The first woman is Lady Wisdom. The second woman is Lady Folly. Now, if this person accepts the invitation from Wisdom, what will happen? If you look at verses 5 and 6 with me, it says this. Come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. If you come and eat with wisdom, then what will happen? You will live and walk in the way of insight. Proverbs talks about life and death very frequently. Those two words are come up over and over and over again. But when it talks about life and death, it's not necessarily talking about physical life and death. It's not talking about having uh, a pulse or a heartbeat saying, you are alive. But life and death have very much to do with the way you live as much as it has to do with the ultimate destination of your life. Living means you will have success. You will have favor. You will have peace. You will have fruitful relationship in your life. Death means that you will fail, you will have broken relationship, and you will live a life of chaos. So when the invitation of wisdom says, come and leave your simple ways and live, it is the very invitation of the kind of life that I imagine all of us long for. But what would happen if this simple person accepts folly's invitation? Verses 17 and 18 tell us, it says this, stolen water is sweet and bread Eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Now, what is Sheol? Well, basically in ancient cosmology, Sheol was understood to be the place uh, below the earth, below the surface of the earth. It's where the dead would go. And what this is saying is that if you take Folly's invitation, essentially it's going to lead to death. You will join the dead. Your life will lack meaning. Your life will lack direction. Your life will lack joy, peace, harmony, all of those good things if you choose to accept folly's invitation. Now let's, uh, let's reflect on this and unpack it a bit. You know, I want you to notice the difference between the kind of meal that wisdom is offering and the kind of meal that folly is offering. In verses 1 to 3, it says wisdom built her house, slaughtered the beasts, mixed her wine, set the table, 
In other words, wisdom worked honestly and diligently to prepare this meal that you are being invited to. Conversely, look at Folly's meal. The bread and the water that Folly offers is ill-gotten. It is stolen. It is eaten in secret, which probably tells us that there's something wrong with it. Now, what's interesting here is the adjectives associated with Folly's food, with Folly's water and Folly's bread. The stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In other words, there is something highly attractive and highly desirable about the meal that Folly has to offer. And that, friends, is what makes Folly so dangerous. Now, think about it. Why is stolen water and bread sweet and pleasant? Well, St. Augustine, he says something about this. Uh, One of the most famous books he read, maybe you read it in college, is The Confessions. And this is a famous story from The Confessions. But when he talks about his youth, uh, something St. Augustine did was he would steal pears from a pear tree. And after he stole the pear, he wouldn't eat it, but he would just discard it. And later on in his life, as he's trying to understand his own heart and trying to analyze, why did I steal this pear if I didn't want to eat it? Uh, he basically comes to the conclusion, uh, I stole this pair because doing wrong is that which was actually desirable in and of itself. You see, it's one thing for a hungry person to steal because they're hungry and they want food. It's another thing for a person who is full and who doesn't even want the food to steal that pair, someone who has no plans of eating it. And it tells us a little bit something about the condition of the human heart in that our heart is actually drawn to or enjoys things not that are wrong but because they are wrong in other words people don't break the law for practical reasons or entirely practical reasons oftentimes we break the law because it's enjoyable to do so we have a couple recent examples of this or semi-recent examples of this you know during American Prohibition where alcohol was made illegal Drinking alcohol became actually more desirable and more attractive during that era, I think because it had become illegal. And, you know, you have, like, all these, like, cool uh, prohibition speakeasies, right, coming up in New York, and it's, like, the cool thing to do. But, you know, speakeasies actually arose during the era of American prohibition, and they would illegally transport and sell alcohol. And I think we can say that uh, drinking alcohol became uh, more popular Uh, when it was illegal or after it was illegal or more attractive after it was illegal because these speakeasies made a ton of money. A lot of them were connected to organized crime, but they made a ton of money. Why? Well, maybe it was a novelty of it, but I imagine part of the reason why people wanted to take part in uh, these speakeasies and go to bars and, and drink this alcohol is because it was wrong. That was part of the appeal to it. That was part of the attraction. You see, I think Folly knows that as she gives her invitation. She knows that there is something desirable and attractive about stolen water and stolen bread. And she is using that to entice the simple. Not only that, but look how Folly gets the invitation out. Starting in verse 13, it says this, The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Folly is loud, folly is seductive, and folly calls out to any who pass by. Now, these are actually powerful qualities, 
and they show that it's not easy to resist folly's invitation. Folly is loud. You notice that um, maybe this happens at work or in your family or wherever, but do you notice that the ones who often get their way is not the ones who are necessarily right, but oftentimes it's the one who are loudest, who complain the most, who shout the most? Folly is powerful because she is loud and she is noticeable. Folly is also seductive. And remember, this is framed as a woman, uh, as a pedagogical tool to teach young men entering into adulthood. You know the way seduction works? Seduction works by enticing the heart with something that seems like it's the good option in the moment, but later on it was probably going to be destructive for the person. Uh, It's kind of like being hooked on a drug. It calls out to you and says, you know, if you have me now, if you have me now, you will feel good now. But again, the problem with seduction is that when it offers you something fake, after a while, it destroys you, like a drug. And finally, folly calls out to anyone who passes by, and there is this universal aspect to folly where anybody can be swayed by folly's invitation. Because you see, being a fool and being wise doesn't have anything to do with, or has nothing to do with, whether you're educated. It has nothing to do with whether you come from a good moral family, but folly can still call out to you and reach you. You see, that's why the meal, I think, is such an apt illustration for the calling of wisdom and folly. It has nothing to do with your intelligence, friends. It has nothing to do with how you grew up in your family background. It has everything to do with what fills us and fills our stomachs and what our hearts desire. But on the other hand, if you take wisdom's invitation, well, how does wisdom invite us? She says this in verse 5. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Now just contrast for a moment these two invitations. Wisdom's invitation is very ordinary and very low-key. She doesn't offer anything exciting or promise anything that will taste sweet, anything that will be pleasant. She doesn't revert to being loud. She doesn't revert to seduction. She simply says, come and eat something that is legitimate and true. Come and eat this bread that was honestly gained and eat this wine that was created by my honest work and my honest labor. And when you eat of my bread and wine, then you will live. See, in an age where people, I think, are fighting for our attention in order to get their message across, the call of wisdom can be so easily ignored because it is not loud, it is not seductive. In fact, it is very ordinary and mundane. But here's what wisdom is able to offer. It can offer something true, it can offer something honest, and it can offer something that will truly and ultimately lead to life. Because, you see, wisdom comes from God, and that's the only reason why wisdom can offer something true and good. You know, the best folly can do is steal its meal and present it as something that is good and true. But in the end, it's just a counterfeit. If you're interested, you know, Tim Keller, he wrote this like little devotional on Proverbs. And, uh, you know, I was actually thinking about this series for a couple months starting in January. So I was like, let me meditate through the book of Proverbs and uh, I'll do it through this Tim Keller devotional. But he actually doesn't go through the entire Proverbs. So (laughs) I guess I kind of stopped. But (laughs) uh, there's a couple good nuggets there and good insightful points. And, uh, you know, what he says about this passage, he says, you know, 
many young adults who are unreligious and relativistic, they have these very deep moral convictions against things like racism and against things like sexism. But what he says is this, that they're essentially stealing from God's wisdom. They're stealing from God's meal. You see, racism and sexism, why are they wrong? How can we understand why all humans have dignity? That wasn't always a universally accepted truth. Uh, you know, in a white supremacist narrative, African Americans have less honor and less dignity. In ancient, many ancient cultures, women uh, had less honor and less dignity. They were even considered to be property. Well, Christianity comes in and says this, we are all created in the image of God, all races, all genders, and because of that, all people, all humans are filled with dignity. That is why racism is wrong. That is why sexism is wrong. That is why we have something called human rights. But Keller says, you know what the secular world is trying to do as they deny uh, God is they're trying to steal the virtues that ultimately come from God while simultaneously denying him. And that's kind of a picture of what folly does. The best that folly can do is steal something that is true, uh, something that is truly wise. You know, I think that also holds true on a personal level. Just think about what people want, uh, just all people in general. What do, what do people want? What do you want? We want equality and justice, right? We want comfort and security. We want joy and pleasure. We want peace. We want meaning. We want purpose. These are things that we all want, and the problem is actually not that we want these things. The problem is that we often settle for stolen versions of how to get it because we accept folly's invitation. We look for equality and justice ultimately in maybe legal systems that can't ultimately provide it, or we look at it through personal vengeance. Uh, We look for comfort and security in what? Our careers and our salaries. We look for joy and pleasure in our travel experiences, in nice restaurants and cheap sex that requires no relational commitment. You see that? We, when we think that folly stolen water and bread can ultimately give that to us, we walk this path that leads to our disintegration. We want wholeness, right, friends? And how do we experience and how do we find that kind of wholeness? How do we walk the straight path? How do we set our sights and receive the meal that wisdom offers? And the key is this. We have to set our sights on another meal. You see, the problem with Folly's invitation is that it is a road to nowhere. That's why we start to feel lost. Perhaps many of you have friends who have uh, been doing the grind of pursuing their dreams of career, relationship, and at some point perhaps they might tell you, I feel lost. I don't know what road I am on. You see, we think that the road to somewhere is the one that leads to a better career or to spouse or family. That's folly talking. You see, when these good things become ultimate things, then uh, we, we walk the crooked path, and if and when you ever experience the loss of these things, then at that moment you realize that folly, the folly of uh, pursuing these things as your ultimate destination, that it was a foolish endeavor. Ask those who say, I'm not satisfied with my work and my career. Uh, Ask those who have lost their career. Ask those who feel like they're stuck in life because of their career. 
Ask those who are single and feel stuck in life because they don't have spouse and, and children. Ask those who have been married but maybe have lost their family because, uh, because of a broken relationship. You see, to make these things your ultimate source of fulfillment, to feed on these things as our meal, if you've done that, there is a good chance that you have received Folly's invitation of stolen water and ill-gotten bread. You see, what wisdom is doing is it's offering a better meal because God offers a better meal. Folly says, come, eat this stolen bread and water, but she won't tell you that you're going to pay for it later. God says, let me offer you this better meal. Let me give you my son, Jesus Christ, who embodies wisdom, whose body was broken for you, and whose blood was shed for you. Take him, receive him, and be filled. You see, wisdom's path has a destination, and that destination actually happens to be another meal. It's the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation 19. This celebration, uh, the church is the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. There is this wonderful union taking place, this wonderful celebration feast that is taking place. You see, marriage is just merely supposed to be not our ultimate destination, but it is the illustration of the kind of relationship that God establishes with us through Christ, between Jesus and his people. And in Revelation 19, it says this, right? Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And do you know what that is when uh, Jesus is giving John these words to write? That is an invitation that is going out. That is wisdom's invitation to come and to eat with Jesus in the meal that ultimately he can provide. And that invitation comes in the call of the gospel. You know, with every invitation, you have to respond, right? Well, maybe not. Some people don't respond to those things, but you should respond. Anytime you receive an invitation, and the more formal the invitation, the, uh, the more you should respond. Uh, Jesus is sending out an invitation to you and I through this message of the gospel, and he's saying this, are you going to be there? Blessed is the one who is invited to this marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you going to be there? Are you going to receive this invitation? You see, the gospel's wisdom's invitation to join in this feast, and in this feast, guess what will happen? We will become full. We will be made whole. We will experience the joy that we're looking for. We will experience the pleasure that we're looking for. We will experience the security that our hearts ultimately are longing for. But you have to respond to wisdom's invitation, which simultaneously means this. You have to reject folly's invitation. They're hosting the same meal on the same night. You can't go to both. You got to choose one. Let me just say this. You know, turning down Folly's invitation, uh, I don't think is going to be easy or maybe as easy as we may think. Even though in the grand scheme of things, wisdom's invitation is far better. And here's why. You know what Folly offers that wisdom is not necessarily offering? Folly is offering this immediate pleasure Folly is offering something that makes more sense in the moment. And I think we often, you know, test something's goodness or appropriateness with a question and we say things like, you know, what's wrong with that? That, that, by the way, is not uh, a good way to follow the path of wisdom. 
well, what's wrong with that? And I'm going to skip, uh, I don't know, meeting up with this person for accountability. I'm going to skip this prayer meeting. I'm going to skip the Bible study. What's wrong with that? Uh, you know, I need to use my 20s and 30s, and I really need to focus on my career and make as much money and climb up as high as I can go. And uh, I'll focus on, my, on spiritual matters later. What's wrong with that? Now, let me be clear. Nothing is actually ultimately wrong with that, right? Nothing is wrong with that. And when we have that as our filter, what's wrong with that? It can actually lead us to a path still of folly. Because wisdom, I think, requires a different screen and a different set of questions because it is seeking not the right and wrong path, it is seeking the better path. And you see, in order to reject folly, instead of asking, what's wrong with that? I think what we do have to ask is this. Is this wise? Is this wise? Not wise in the sense of, will this give me greater security or greater comfort, but is this wise in the sense that it will keep me on wisdom's path? Will this keep me on the path towards that meal that is promised to us in Christ, this marriage supper of the Lamb? And I think that is how we need to analyze the decisions that we make, the choices that we make. Is this wisdom's path? You know, Ravi Zacharias, <coughs> who is, uh, an, uh, I guess, a speaker, apologist, uh, he often says this. He says, you know, there's one angle in which you can stand up straight. There are infinite angles in which you can fall down. Proverbs has called us to receive wisdom's invitation so that we might stand up straight, walk wisdom's path, participate in this final wedding banquet, be filled, get all that every human being is probably longed for in the way that God designed and intended and in the way that God gave us by his grace and mercy and love as he sent us his son, Jesus Christ. Friends, there's an invitation here today, not an altar call invitation, <laughs> an invitation in your hearts. Wisdom, folly, who will you dine with? Let's pray together.